After reciting the Tashahud Ta'awz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khlipton C. the fifth, Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin Islazi stated, Today I will speak about Hazrat Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu. Hazrat Umar belonged to the tribe of Banu Adi bin Ka'ab bin Lu'ay. His father's name was Khattab bin Nufail, and according to one narration, the name of his mother was Hantama bint Hashim. As such, his mother would be the paternal cousin of Abu Jahl. According to another narration, the name of his mother was Hantama bint Hisham. As such, she would be the sister of Abu Jahl. However, this narration, which mentions her being the sister of Abu Jahl, is not widely accepted. Abu Umar says that whoever says that she was the sister of Abu Jahl is mistaken. If this was correct, she would have been the sister of Abu Jahl as well as Hadith. However, this is not the case. She was the daughter of their paternal uncle and the name of her father was Hashim. Various narrations have been recorded with regards to Hazrat Umar's date of birth and thus the year of his birth differs from narration to narration. One view is that Hazrat Umar was born four years prior to the great battle of Fijar, whereas at another place it is written that he was born four years after the great battle of Fijar. It is called the battle of Fijar as it was fought during a sacred month, which is a matter of grave immorality and sin. This battle was fought in four periods. Aside from calling the fourth battle Al-Fijar Al-A'zam, i.e. the greatest battle of Fijar, it is also called Al-Fijar Al-A'zam Al-Akhir, i.e. the last greatest battle of Fijar. This battle was fought between the Quraysh, Banu Kinana and the Hawazin tribes. 
Another viewpoint is that Hazrat Umar was born in Makkah 13 years after the year of the elephant. The year of the elephant was 570 CE and adding 13 years to this makes the year of Hazrat Umar's birth at 583 CE. A third opinion is that Hazrat Umar accepted Islam in the sixth year Nabawi and at that time he was 26 years old. According to the Gregorian calendar, Sixth year Nabawi is 616 CE, if Hazrat Umar was 26 years old at the time. The year of his birth would be 590 CE. A fourth opinion is that Hazrat Umar was born when the Holy Prophet was 21 years of age. Nonetheless, there are various opinions in this regard. At the time he accepted Islam, he was somewhere between 21 and 26 years old. The title of Hazrat Umar was Abu Hafs. Hazrat Ibn Abbas relates that on the day of the Battle of Badr, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said to his companions, I have heard that some of the members of the Banu Hashim and a few others have been forced against their will to come along with the Quraysh, and they do not wish to fight against us. Therefore, whosoever amongst you comes up against anyone from the Banu Hashim, he should not kill him, and whoever sees Abu al-Bakhtri should not kill him, and whoever sees Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, who was the paternal uncle of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, should not kill him. This is because all of these people have been forced to come with the Quraysh. Hazrat ibn Abbas relates that Hazrat Abu Huzaifa bin Utbah stated, Are we to kill our fathers, sons, brothers and other relatives and let Abbas live? By God, if I find him, i.e. Abbas, I will kill him with my sword. The narrator states that when news of this reached the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he addressed Hazrat Umar bin Khattab by saying, O Abu Hafs, Hazrat Umar states, I swear by Allah that this was the first time that the Holy Prophet ﷺ addressed me with the title of Abu Hafs. The Holy Prophet then stated, Will a sword be struck against the face of the uncle of the Messenger of Allah? Hazrat Umar submitted, O Messenger of Allah, Grant me permission to sever the head of the individual who has uttered these words. By Allah, he, i.e. Abu Huzaifa, has displayed hypocrisy. Hazrat Abu Huzaifa would later say, Ever since I uttered those words on that day, I had never felt at ease and was always anxious owing to what I had said, and only martyrdom could serve as an atonement for this. Thus, Hazrat Abu Huzaifa attained martyrdom in the Battle of Yamama. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha states that the Holy Prophet gave Hazrat Umar the title of Farooq. We find a narration regarding the context of this in which Hazrat Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu relates I inquired of Hazrat Umar as to how he was given the title of Farooq. He replied Hazrat Hamza accepted Islam three days before I did.
Coincidentally, I headed to the holy mosque and Abu Jahl approached the holy prophet وسلم, hurling abuse at him. Following this, he informed Hazrat Hamza of what he had done. When Hazrat Hamza came to know of this, he took his bow and headed towards the Kaaba. He stood in front of the gathering of the Quraysh in which Abu Jahl was seated, leaning on his bow and glaring at Abu Jahl. Sensing displeasure from Hazrat Hamza's face, Abu Jahl said, O Abu Amara, this was the title of Hazrat Hamza, what is the matter? Hearing this, Hazrat Hamza struck his bow on Abu Jahl's face with such force that his cheek was cut and it started bleeding. Fearing his rage, the Quraysh immediately put an end to this quarrel. The narrator states that he did not personally witness what Hazrat Umar narrated about that day. Three days after this incident, I went out and on the way I met a person from the Banu Makhzum. I asked, Have you forsaken the religion of your forefathers and adopted the religion of Muhammad? He replied, What would it matter if I have done so? They too have done so over whom you have more right than myself. Hazrat Umar then asked, Who do you speak of? He answered, Your sister and brother-in-law. Having heard this, I went to my sister's house and found the door locked. I could hear some whispers from inside. The door was then opened for me and I entered. I then asked them, What did I just hear you saying? They replied, What did you hear? During the conversation, the matter escalated and I grabbed my brother-in-law by his head and struck him, causing him to bleed. My sister got up and held me by the head, saying, This happened against your wishes, i.e. our acceptance of Islam. In any case, in another narration, there is mention of his sister also being injured. Hazrat Umar says, when I saw the blood of my brother-in-law, or it could have been that of his sister as well, in that moment I felt ashamed. So I sat down and said, Show me this parchment. My sister replied, Only the pure can touch it. If you speak the truth, go and wash yourself. So I washed myself and sat down as I returned. They brought the parchment to me on which it was written, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. I said, These names are very pure and virtuous. Then it was written, Taha, Ma Anzalna Alaikal Qurana Litashqa, up to Lahul Asma'ul Husna. These were verses 2 to 9 of Surah Taha. I developed a great degree of respect in my heart for these words. I then said, The Quraysh flee from this, but I have accepted Islam. And asked, Where is the Holy Prophet My sister answered, He is in Darul Arkham. I reached there and knocked on the door. The companions gathered around. Hazrat Hamza asked them, What is the matter with you people? They replied, Umar. Hazrat Hamza then said, 
Even if it is Umar, open the door for him if he is standing outside. If he has come with good intentions, we shall accept him. But if he has come with evil intentions, we shall slay him. The Holy Prophet ﷺ also heard this. He went outside. Then Hazrat Umar recited the Declaration of Faith, upon which all the companions present there exclaimed, Allah is the greatest, which was heard by all the people in Mecca. Hazrat Umar continues, I then asked, O Messenger of Allah are we not on the truth? The Holy Prophet answered, Indeed. I then asked, Then why do we keep our religion hidden? Thereafter we formed two rows and set forth. I was in one of the rows, and Hazrat Hamza was in the other, until we reached Masjid al-Haram and entered it. Thereupon when the Quraysh saw me and Hazrat Hamza, they were overcome with such grief and pain, the likes of which they had never felt before. Thus on that day, the Holy Prophet ﷺ gave me the name Farooq, because Islam was strengthened and the truth and falsehood were distinguished from one another. Ayyub bin Musa relates, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, Undoubtedly, Allah the Almighty has placed the truth in the words and heart of Hazrat Umar, and he is the Farooq, for Allah the Almighty has distinguished between the truth and falsehood through him. Hazrat Umar was tall and had a strong build. He had no hair on the front of his head. He was of a reddish complexion and his moustache was thick, the ends of which had a reddish tinge and his cheeks were slim. With regards to the pastime of Hazrat Umar during the era of ignorance, it is mentioned that horse riding and wrestling were among his favorite hobbies. Hazrat Umar would win almost every year in the wrestling competition during the annual Ukkaz festival. During his youth, he would graze camels of his father, as was custom among the Arabs. Prior to the advent of Islam, learning to read and write was not common practice among the Arabs. At the advent of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, only 17 people among the Quraysh knew how to read and write. Hazrat Umar had learnt to read and write in that era. Hazrat Umar was among the nobles of the Quraysh. Prior to Islam, he was the designated envoy of the Quraysh. It was the practice of the Quraysh that whenever there would be feuds among them or with others, they would send Hazrat Umar as their representative. When some of the Muslims were migrating to Abyssinia, those acquainted with Hazrat Umar saw his extremely compassionate side as he witnessed them migrating, despite the fact that he had not yet accepted Islam and in spite of his strong nature. In relation to this, 
Hazrat Umm Abdullah bint Abi Hasma relates, By Allah, when we were departing for Abyssinia, and my husband Amir bin Rabia had gone due to some work of his, in that moment Hazrat Umar bin Khattab came and stood next to me. He was still an idolater at the time, and we had suffered great affliction at his hands. He said to me, O Umm Abdullah, it seems as though you are going somewhere. I replied, Yes, by Allah, we are indeed setting forth in the land of Allah. They were going in search of somewhere as the land of Allah is vast. You people have caused us much grief and committed grave injustices against us to the point where Allah the Almighty granted us a way to save ourselves. Hazrat Umm Abdullah then relates, He then said, May Allah be with you. Never before had I witnessed the emotion that had overcome Hazrat Umar. Thereafter he left. I felt as though our departing had saddened him. Hazrat Umm Abdullah then states, When Amir bin Rabia returned from his work, I said to him, O Abdullah, if only you had witnessed the state of Umar and his compassion and sadness for our sake. Amir bin Rabia replied, Are you hopeful of his conversion to Islam? She must have been affected by this incident and thought he would accept Islam. I answered in the affirmative. Thereupon, Amir bin Rabia said, He will never accept Islam. No matter what you saw of him, Khatab's donkey will accept Islam before he does. Hazrat Umay Abdullah says, Amir bin Rabia had said this out of despair, having witnessed Hazrat Umar's ferocity and sternness towards Islam, and thought, how can such a fierce opponent accept Islam? Whilst mentioning this incident and in relation to Hazrat Umar's fierce opposition to Islam, Hazrat Muslim Maud has narrated this incident in his own style. However, he also possessed a spiritual capacity, i.e. despite his severe temper and his afflictions upon the Holy Prophet and his companions, he still possessed kindness and compassion. When the first migration to Abyssinia was taking place, the Muslims had prepared to depart from Makkah before the Fajr prayers, lest the idolaters halt and harass them. There was a custom in Makkah where some of the chieftains would go around the city at night to prevent any theft, etc. They would patrol in the streets. In accordance with this custom, Hazrat Umar was walking about at night when he saw some household luggage tied up in one place. He proceeded forward and there was a female companion standing by the luggage. The husband of this companion was perhaps a relative of Hazrat Umar, which is why he addressed the female companion, saying, O lady, what is all of this? It seems to me as though you are about to embark on a long journey. Her husband was not present at the time. Had he been there, after hearing this from Hazrat Umar and due to the persecutions of the idolaters of Makkah, 
he could have perhaps made an excuse about whether they were going or not or that it was perhaps a short journey or that the place they were going was nearby. As a Muslim states, this woman did not think in this way. This thought did not cross her mind or if it did, she chose to speak the truth. This female companion said, O Umar, we are leaving Makkah. He replied, You are leaving Makkah? She answered, Yes, we are leaving Makkah. Hazrat Umar then asked, Why are you leaving Makkah? To which she replied, Umar, we are leaving because you and your brethren do not wish us to stay here, and we are not free to worship the one God here. For this reason, we are leaving our homeland and going to another land. Despite Hazrat Umar being a staunch enemy of Islam, despite the fact that he himself was ready to kill Muslims, when he heard this answer of that female companion in the darkness of the night that they were leaving their homeland because he and his kinsmen disliked for them to remain there and because they were unable to freely worship the one God, Hazrat Umar turned his face the other way, saying to the female companion, All right then, go. May God be your protector. It is evident from this that Hazrat Umar was overcome with such emotion, whereby he thought that if he had not turned his face the other way, he would have begun to weep. The husband of the female companion then arrived. Knowing Umar to be a fierce opponent of Islam, he thought that he might hinder them in their journey. He asked his wife why he had come there. She told him how he came and asked where they were going. He thought he may perhaps be causing some kind of mischief. They were about to leave when he saw them there. Then before the husband returned, or just before he had reached nearby, Hazrat Umar left from there, or perhaps he left after meeting him. In any case, the husband said that he might cause some mischief. The female companion said, O son of my uncle, Arab women in those days would often call their husbands the son of their paternal uncle. You say that he might cause some trouble, but I feel as though one day he will become a Muslim. This is because when I said, O Umar, we are leaving because you and your kinsmen do not allow us to freely worship the one God here. He turned his face saying, All right, go. May God be your protector. There was a trembling in his voice and I believe that his eyes were filled with tears. So because of this, I believe that one day he will become a Muslim. The Holy Prophet ﷺ had also prayed for Hazrat Umar to accept the message of Islam. In relation to this, there is a narration. Hazrat Ibn Umar relates, that the Holy Prophet stated Allahumma a'izz al-Islam bi'ahabbi hadayni rajulain ilayka bi'abi jahlin aw bi'umar ibn al-Khattab O Allah, whoever is dearer to you between Abu Jahl and Umar bin al-Khattab grant honor to Islam through him Ibn Umar relates further, Among these two, Hazrat Umar was dearer to Allah. 
Hazrat Ibn Umar relates that the Holy Prophet stated Allahumma ayyid ad-deena bi Umar ibn al-Khattab Oh Allah, grant support to faith through Umar ibn al-Khattab Hazrat Aisha relates that the Holy Prophet stated Allahumma a'izz al-Islama bi Umar ibn al-Khattab khasa Meaning, O oh Allah, grant honor to Islam, especially through Umar bin al-Khattab. One day prior to Hazrat Umar accepting Islam, the Holy Prophet ﷺ prayed, Allahumma ayyid al-Islama bi-ahabbi rajulain ilayk. Umar bin al-Khattab or Amr bin Hisham. O oh Allah, whoever is dearer to you between these two men, that is, Umar bin al-Khattab, and Amr bin al-Hisham grant honor to Islam through him. When Hazrat Umar radiallahu accepted Islam, Angel Gabriel descended from heavens and said, O Muhammad, even the heavens are pleased with Umar's acceptance of Islam. This is a narration from Atabqatul Kubra. Further details in relation to Hazrat Umar's acceptance of Islam are as follows. Hazrat Umar bin Khattab accepted Islam in Dhul Hijjah 6 Nabawi. There are various accounts and narrations mentioned in the books of Ahadith and history in relation to the factors that led to his acceptance of Islam. One of the narrations regarding his acceptance of Islam has been recorded in Siyatul Halabiya in which it states that on one occasion Abu Jahl said to the people, O people of the Quraysh, Muhammad speaks against your idols and considers you bereft of wisdom. Moreover, he states that your idols are the fuel for the hellfire. Thus, I announce that whosoever among you kills Muhammad, he will receive a reward of a hundred red camels and a thousand okia of silver. One okia was equal to 40 dirhams at the time, which is approximately 126 grams. However, according to others, it was even more than this. In any case, it was a very large amount which was fixed as a reward. One okia is equivalent to 126 grams, which is a very large amount that had been fixed as a reward. According to another narration, he stated, Whoever would kill the Holy Prophet would receive X okia of gold and silver and also such and such amount of musk, precious clothes, as well as many other items. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that he would be the one who will attain this reward. The people present at the time all agreed that he would indeed be the one who attained this award. Thereafter, Hazrat Umar settled a formal agreement with him. Hazrat Umar states that after this, he set out in search of the Holy Prophet ﷺ with an unsheathed sword hanging from his shoulder. Along the way, he passed by a certain place where a calf was being slaughtered. From the stomach of the calf, he heard a voice, O progeny of the Rih, 
The reef was the name of the calf that was being slaughtered. And the one who was saying this then stated in a clear voice, inviting him to bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. Hazrat Umar states, he felt as if this was making a reference to him. That is, if this tradition from Sirtul Halabiya is correct, it is possible that this was a vision which Hazrat Umar experienced at the time, whereby he also heard the voice. The third narration in regards to Hazrat Umar's acceptance of Islam is as follows. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu relates, One day I arrived at the Haram with the intention of performing tawaf, i.e. performing circuits of the Kaaba. At the time, the Holy Prophet was standing there offering his prayers. Whenever he would offer his prayers, he would face in the direction of Syria, i.e. towards the Dome of the Rock in Bayt al-Maqdis. And he would stand in such a way that the Qibla would come between him and the direction of Syria. Thus the Holy Prophet would be stood between the Hajr Aswad and Rukn al-Yamani. The Rukn al-Yamani is the southeastern corner of the Kaaba and is in the direction of Yemen. And without this one cannot face Bayt al-Maqdas. Hazrat Umar further states, When I saw the Holy Prophet I decided that I would listen to what he recites. Then I thought that if I went close to him in order to listen, he may become alerted. Therefore I came from the side of the Hajr Aswad and stood behind the drapes of the Kaaba and began to slowly walk across. The Holy Prophet remained occupied in his prayer and was reciting Surah Ar-Rahman. I eventually stood right before the Holy Prophet in the direction he was facing. And there was nothing between me and him apart from the drapes of the Kaaba. When I heard the recitation of the Holy Quran, my heart began to melt and I began to cry and the message of Islam had penetrated inside me. I remained standing where I was until the Holy Prophet had completed his prayer and returned from there. I began to walk behind the Holy Prophet. When the Holy Prophet heard the sound of my footsteps, he recognized me. The Holy Prophet thought that perhaps I was walking behind him in order to cause him harm. And so, the Holy Prophet admonished me, saying, O Ibn Khattab, with what intention have you come here so late into the night? I submitted, I have come to profess my belief in Allah, his Messenger, and that which has been revealed to him by Allah. The fourth narration that is found is as follows. Hazrat Umar relates, One night my sister began to feel labor pains, and so I left my house and went to the Kaaba. Whilst holding on to the drapes of the Kaaba, I began to pray. At the same time, the Holy Prophet also arrived and offered his prayer near the Hajr Aswad as much as Allah had willed for him. At that moment, I had heard such words which I had never heard before. And so, when the Holy Prophet left from there, I began to walk behind him. The Holy Prophet inquired, Who is it? To which I replied, Umar. The Holy Prophet then stated, O Umar, you do not leave me alone in the day nor in the night. Upon this I became fearful, lest the Holy Prophet prayed against me and immediately proclaimed, 
Ashhadu la ilaha illallah wa annaka Muhammadur Rasulullah. I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and indeed you are the messenger of Allah. Upon this the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, O Umar, do you wish to keep your Islam hidden? I submitted, No, I swear by him who has sent you with the true religion, that I will declare my acceptance of Islam just as I would previously declare my belief in shirk. Upon this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ praised Allah the Almighty and said, O Umar, may Allah keep you steadfast upon the truth. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet rubbed his hand over my chest and prayed for me to remain steadfast. After this, I left from there and the Holy Prophet ﷺ returned to his home. The fifth narration in regards to Hazrat Umar's acceptance of Islam which is a very famous one, and some of its details have been briefly mentioned previously as well, is as follows. Hazrat Anas bin Malik relates that one day Hazrat Umar left his house with his sword drawn. Along the way he met someone from among the Banu Zahra and asked, O Umar, what are your intentions? Hazrat Umar responded, I am going to kill Muhammad, God forbid. To this he replied, By killing Muhammad, will you remain safe from the Banu Hashim and Banu Zahra? Hazrat Umar replied, I believe you have forsaken your religion. This individual then said, O Umar, shall I not inform you of something even more astonishing than this? You say that I have abandoned my faith, but let me tell you a news even bigger, and that is your sister and brother-in-law have both left the religion which you follow. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Umar went to the house whilst cursing them. At the time, I companion from among the Muhajireen, Hazrat Khabab, was with them. I related this account previously in relation to Hazrat Khabab. When he heard Hazrat Umar's voice, he hid inside the house. Hazrat Umar entered the house and asked, What were you reading? What was this that I just heard coming from here? At the time, they were reciting Surah Taha. They replied that apart from one thing, there was nothing else they were talking about. Hazrat Umar then asked, I have heard that you both have turned away from your religion. Hazrat Umar's brother-in-law asked, O Umar, have you ever pondered that the truth may be found in a faith other than yours? If you are searching for the truth, have you considered that the truth may be found in another religion? Upon this, Hazrat Umar took hold of his brother-in-law and began to hit him. Hazrat Umar's sister tried to come in the way to save her husband and Hazrat Umar raised his hand against her as well, as a result of which blood began to pour from her face. She became extremely angry and said, O Umar, if the truth is to be found in a faith other than yours, then proclaim that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad is his messenger. When Hazrat Umar failed to come up with a response, he stated, Give me the parchment which you have with you so I may read it Hazrat Umar knew how to read Hazrat Umar's sister stated you are not clean and no one can touch this in a state of impurity therefore either take a bath or perform ablution first and so Hazrat Umar performed ablution and then took hold of the book and began to read Surah Taha when he reached the verse innani anallahu la ilaha illa ana fa'budni وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِ 
meaning, Verily, I am Allah, there is no God beside me. So serve me and observe prayer for my remembrance. After reading this verse, Hazrat Umar said, Tell me where Muhammad is. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Khabab came out of the house and said, O Umar, let there be glad tidings for you. I wish that the prayer of the Holy Prophet which he offered on Thursday night, may be accepted in your favor. The Holy Prophet had prayed, Allahumma a'iz al-Islama bi Umar ibn al-Khattab or Amr ibn Hisham. Meaning, O Allah, grant honor to Islam through Umar ibn al-Khattab or Abu Jahl. At the time, the Holy Prophet was in a house that was situated in the valley of Safa. And so Hazrat Umar left from there and reached the house. At the time, Hazrat Hamza, Hazrat Talha and various other companions of the Holy Prophet were at the door. Hazrat Hamza noticed that they were scared of Hazrat Umar and said, All right, so this is Umar. If Allah has brought him for his own good, then he shall accept Islam and follow the Holy Prophet. However, if he has come with any other intention, then it will be easy for us to kill him. At the time, the Holy Prophet was inside the house and was receiving divine revelation. The Holy Prophet came outside and went to Hazrat Umar and took hold of him from the chest and said, O Umar, will you not refrain from your actions until Allah causes you ruin and sends down a terrible punishment, just as he did for Walid bin Mughira? Thereafter, the Holy Prophet prayed to Allah that, O Allah, this is Umar bin al-Khattab. O Allah, grant honor to the faith through Umar bin al-Khattab. After this, Hazrat Umar stated, I testify that you are the Messenger of Allah sallam. And Hazrat Umar then accepted Islam and stated, O Messenger of Allah, come out for the propagation of Islam. It is narrated from Mamur and Zuhri that Hazrat Umar accepted Islam after the Holy Prophet was in Darul Arkham and he was the 40th person to accept Islam or he accepted Islam slightly after 40 men and women had entered Islam. Darul Arkham was the house or center which belonged to a new convert, Arkham bin Abi al-Arkham, and was situated just outside of Mecca. The Muslims would gather here, and this became a center for Muslims to learn about their faith and worship, etc. For this reason, it also became known as Darul Islam, and this remained the center for the Muslims in Mecca for three years. Here, they would worship away from the others, and also the Holy Prophet would hold gatherings. Then when Hazrat Umar accepted Islam, the Muslims came out from here. In a narration, it is stated that Hazrat Umar was the last person to accept Islam in this center. And after he accepted Islam, it gave courage to the Muslims and they came out from Darul Arkham and began preaching openly. There is another narration with regards to Hazrat Umar accepting Islam with a slight variation. In the aforementioned incident, it was stated that Hazrat Umar heard the opening verses of Surah Taha being recited in his sister's house, whereas in another narration it is mentioned that it was the opening verses of Surah Al-Hadid. There is a sixth narration as well regarding Hazrat Umar's acceptance of Islam. Hazrat Umar states, One day prior to accepting Islam, I set out in search of the Holy Prophet but noticed that he had reached the mosque before him. I stood behind him. He began to recite Surah Al-Haqqa. Upon hearing the order and composition of the Holy Quran, 
I was left amazed, and I said, By God, he is a poet, just as the Quraysh say he is. Hazrat Umar further says, When I thought of this, the Holy Prophet said, إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ كَرِيمٍ وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ شَاعِرٍ قَلِيلًا مَّا تُؤْمِنُونَ meaning that it is surely the word brought by a noble messenger and it is not the word of a poet. Little is it that you believe. Hazrat Umar then said, He is a fortune teller, i.e. a sorcerer. Subsequently, the Holy Prophet ﷺ recited the following, وَلَا بِقَوْلِ كَاهِنٍ قَلِيلًا مَا تَذَكَّرُونَ تَنْزِيلٌ مِنْ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَلَوْ تَقَوَّلَ عَلَيْنَا بَعْدَ الْقَاوِيلِ لَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُ بِالْيَمِينَ ثُمَّ لَقَطَعْنَا مِنْهُ الْوَتِينَ فَمَا مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ عَنْهُ حَاجِزِينَ And then he recited to the end of the chapter The translation is as follows. Nor is it the word of a soothsayer. Little is it that you heed. It is a revelation from the Lord of the worlds. And if he had forged and attributed any sayings to us, we would surely have seized him by the right hand, and then surely we would have severed his life archery, and not one of you could have held our punishment off from him. Hazrat Umar then says, From that moment Islam was etched on my heart. There is a seventh narration, which is a narration of Bukhari. Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar narrates, Whenever I heard Hazrat Umar say, I think that such and such will happen, it would come true just as he had stated. Once while Hazrat Umar was sitting, a handsome man passed by him. Hazrat Umar said, If I am not mistaken, this person still follows the religion of the Jahiliyyah, or he was their fortune teller. Bring this man to me. The man was brought to Hazrat Umar and informed of what was said. The man said, I have never seen such a day on which a Muslim was faced with such an accusation. This man later accepted Islam. Hazrat Umar then said, I am adamant that you should tell me the truth. He said, I was a fortune teller in the pre-Islamic period of ignorance. Then Hazrat Umar said, Tell me the most astonishing thing your female jinn has told you of. They were fortune tellers and magicians, and so he asked what peculiar thing the jinn had told him about. He said, One day while I was in the market, she came to me and was petrified. She said, Have you not seen the jinn and their state of despair and anxiousness? they have been left in. For all now they do is follow the camels and their saddles. Hazrat Umar said, He is right. And then added, One day while I was sleeping near the idols, a man came with a calf and slaughtered it. Someone let out a shriek, the likes of which I have never heard before. He was exclaiming, O transgressing enemy, a matter of success. An eloquent man proclaims, None has the right to be worshipped except Allah. 
Upon hearing this, the people fled. But I, i.e. Hazrat Umar, said, I shall not flee till I know who is behind this. Then the cry came again, O transgressing enemy! A matter of success, an eloquent man proclaims, None has the right to be worshipped except Allah. I then went away, and a few days later, it was said, A prophet has appeared. In some versions of Bukhari, instead of there is none worthy of worship except Allah, the wording is, there is none worthy of worship except thee. This is the narration of Bukhari. With regards to Hazrat Umar's acceptance of Islam, there are various accounts mentioned in the books of history and biographies. Among them, the most well-known, i.e. the one that is commonly cited, is the one in which Hazrat Umar went with his sword in order to kill the Holy Prophet God forbid. But someone along the way informed him to first see to his sister and brother-in-law and then he went to their house. This is the narration that is widely accepted and is mentioned in most of these places. Although there are various other narrations as have been mentioned earlier. However, historians and biographers have greatly debated the authenticity of these narrations according to their own understanding. Nonetheless, we accept the narration in which there is mention of the events that took place in Hazrat Umar's sister and brother-in-law's house and that Hazrat Umar went to Dararakam from there. It can be said that there is a possibility that all the aforementioned narrations about Hazrat Umar's acceptance of Islam are correct in their own right, which would indicate that at different times, Hazrat Umar's viewpoint began to slowly change. At times, one undergoes changes at various stages, but is unable to take the final step. Perhaps the final step was when Hazrat Umar heard the Qur'an in the house of his sister and brother-in-law, and then he presented himself before the Holy Prophet in order to accept Islam. In any case, Allah the Almighty knows best. At the time of his acceptance of Islam, he was 33 years old and he was the chief of the Banu Adi tribe. Prior to pledging allegiance, he had the responsibility of being an envoy for the Quraysh. Furthermore, he was extremely influential, brave and courageous. After he accepted Islam, it strengthened the Muslims and they came out from Darul Arkham and offered prayers openly in Masjid al-Haram. Hazrat Umar was the last companion who accepted Islam in Darul Arkham, and this took place in the last month of the sixth year after the advent of the Holy Prophet At the time, the total number of Muslim men in Makkah was 40. I will narrate the remaining accounts in future, God willing. At present, I will speak about some members who have passed away and also lead their funeral prayers. The first is of Ahmed Muhammad Usman Shabuti Sahib, who was the son of Muhammad Usman Shabuti Sahib of Yemen. He passed away on 9th of April 2021 in Egypt at the age of 87. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Ahmed Muhammad Usman Shabuti Sahib was born in the city of Aden in Yemen. When respected Ghulam Ahmed Sahib who was a missionary, was sent to Aden 
At that time, Shabuti Sahib pledged allegiance at the age of 14. Subsequently, he had the opportunity to work in different capacities for the Ahmadiyya Jamaat in Yemen, including serving as the president of the Jamaat in Yemen for a long time, and he served in this capacity until his demise. He was married to respected Wasima Muhammad Sahiba, daughter of Dr. Muhammad Ahmad Adani Sahib. Wasima Sahiba was the granddaughter of Hazrat Haji Muhammad Deen Sahib Dehelwi and Hazrat Hasina Bibi Sahiba, both of whom were companions of the Promised Messiah. Shabuti Sahib's nikah took place in Rabwa, but he was not present there at the time. Through this, he established a link with the center and had the opportunity to travel to Rabwa. He had the honor of meeting with Hazrat Muslim Anhu, various elders and the companions of the Promised Messiah. Shabuti Sahib studied at several universities in England, studying nursing and health management. He obtained a master's in health administration from the University of Liverpool. He served in the health sector in various capacities for approximately 29 years, including as Dean of the Central Health Institute in Yemen. Aside from countries in the Middle East, he served as temporary advisor to the World Health Organization for various countries. He had been unwell recently and was moved to Egypt for treatment with the intention of coming to the UK. He was undergoing treatment there, but his health deteriorated. And after spending a few days in hospital, he passed away on 9th of April and met with his creator. The deceased was a Musi. Aside from his wife, he is survived by his son, Muhammad Shibuti, who is a doctor in USA, three daughters and many grandsons and granddaughters. His eldest daughter is in Yemen, one daughter is in Germany, and Marwa Shibuti Sahiba lives here in the UK and is serving in MTA Al-Arabiya. His daughter Marwa Shibuti writes, It is correct that paradise lies under the feet of mothers. However, my father showed us affection just like that of a mother, where it can be said that there was no difference between the love we received from our mother and father. She further writes, my father was a righteous and pious person who possessed many qualities. He was extremely humble and meek, patient and truthful. He would look after the poor and loved all people and humanity at large. And many people that knew him have mentioned these qualities of his. He would complete his work meticulously. He was punctual and would fulfill his promises. He would remain occupied in worship and voluntary prayers and would especially be mindful of the obligatory prayers. She also says that both her parents had the opportunity to perform the Hajj in 2002. The interim president of the Jamaat in Yemen, Khalid Sabri Sahib, says, even in his advanced age, the deceased was an awe-inspiring personality. He had a pure heart and was always had a smile on his face. He was generous and hospitable. He cared for every Ahmadi like a compassionate father. Whenever there was any need of the Jamaat, he would spend out of his own pocket and would buy things himself which were of use to the Jamaat, such as a printer or a fax machine. He was very benevolent and kind towards the poor and needy. 
He would spend abundantly on every Ahmadi in need. He would also take care of Ahmadi orphans and widows. He was paying rent from his own pocket for the home of a family which had been affected by the war. Despite his old age, in 2018, he undertook the 20-hour long and arduous journey from Aden to Sana'a, even at a time when the route was quite dangerous due to Saudi attacks and there would be checkpoints at various locations. Even though it was difficult for him to walk due to his old age, yet he undertook this journey only so that he could offer the Eid prayer along with the Jamaat in Sana'a, give the community members Eid gifts and to join them in their happiness. Upon his arrival, all the members of the Jamaat were overjoyed. The next funeral is of respected Qureshi Zakaullah Sahib, who worked as an accountant in the office of Jalsa Salana. He also passed away on 9th of April at the age of 87. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Ahmadiyyat was introduced to Qureshi Sahib's family through his maternal grandfather and his wife's paternal grandfather, Hazrat Khurshid Ali Sahib. When the Promised Messiah went to Sialgot, Hazrat Khurshid Ali Sahib was 16 years old and had the honor of pledging allegiance to the Promised Messiah at the time. Qureshi Sahib's wife has already passed away. Five daughters and a son who is a half Sikh Quran who lives here in the UK. The husband of one of his daughters is currently serving in the private secretary's office in Rabwa. Another daughter is in Manchester and one daughter has passed away. Qureshi Sahib began his service to the community in 1954 as a relieving clerk and worked under Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib anhu, and the Southern Anjuman Board. He worked in Southern Anjuman Ahmadiyya for over 58 years. His son Hafiz Shamsul Zuhar says he had the opportunity of working with Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib and would even go to his home. On the very first day, when he went to his house, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib asked him to take a seat, to which he said that he could not sit at the same level as the progeny of the Promised Messiah Upon this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib said, Al-Amru Fawq Al-Adab, meaning an order takes precedence over respect and honor. And so he sat down, he had a great deal of respect for him. He says, my father had a quiet disposition, and not only was he regular in offering the five daily prayers in congregation, but he was also regular in offering tahajjud prayers. He would offer financial contribution on behalf of the deceased. He would keep elders of the family in our home and would serve them. Some of them even passed away in our home. He had great love and loyalty for Khilafat and ensured the same was instilled in his children. He continues to say, When I was young, 
he would take me along to offer the prayers. And often along the way he would say that if ever a Khalifa called him for some task, he should always remain prepared. He was taking care of the expenses of several poor families. His daughter, Amtu Salam, says, My father presented one canal of his own property in Muhalla Nasirabad Sultan in Rabwa as a gift to Sadar Anjuman so that a mosque could be built there. On average, he would complete a reading of the Holy Quran twice every month. He had five daughters and one son. He also ensured that his children were well educated and ensured their moral training. The next funeral is of respected Malik Khalid Dad Sahib of Canada, who passed away at the age of 85. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. His maternal grandfather, Hazrat Sheikh Nuruddin Sahib, Tajir of Gardian, was a companion of the Promised Messiah. His paternal grandfather, respected Mullah Dad Sahib, had the honor of pledging allegiance at the hand of Hazrat Khalid Musi I and entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat. He served for a long period of time as the local president in Karachi. He was serving in Canada under the Finance Department. He was regular in offering the prayers and fasting. He was kind, looked after the poor, and was a virtuous, sincere, and noble person. He was always at the forefront of presenting financial contributions and participating in various financial initiatives. He had a profound bond of love with Khilafat, which I myself have observed. He had an extraordinary connection with Khilafat. By the grace of Allah, the deceased was a Musi. He is survived by his wife, four sons, and three daughters. One of his sons is serving in the National Armed Law of Canada. The next funeral is of Muhammad Salim Sabri Sahib, who was a worker in Nizarat Amuriyama. He passed away on 27th of March at the age of 77. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Ahmadit was introduced to Salim Sahib's family through his father, Hazrat Mia Noor Muhammad Sahib, who was a companion of the Promised Messiah. His father was from a village near India called Wanjuan and went to Qadian himself in 1903 in order to pledge allegiance at the hands of the Promised Messiah. The deceased was appointed in Sadr Anjuman Ahmadiyya on 19th May 1962. Then in 1968, he was transferred from Devan to private secretary's office, as the Khalif Musi III Rahimullah had especially chosen him to work in his office. Then he worked as a muhtasib in Amuriyama from 1987 to 2006. The time of his service spans about 59 years. He was a Musi. His nephew and son-in-law says he was regular in offering the Dajjit prayers. He would supplicate with such anguish in his prayers, especially the Dajjit prayers, that the heart of anyone sitting nearby would melt. He consistently taught the new generation about the obedience to Khilafat. He would work at the office even outside of office hours. He would consider the pain of any Ahmadi to be akin to his own pain. He would consider the hardships of others to be his own hardships and he would help people resolve their problems keeping the obedience of the Khalifa and the community in mind. He constantly recited the Ruj Sharif. He would discreetly help the poor and possessed many great qualities. The next funeral is of respected Naima Latif Sahiba. 
wife of Saib Zada Mahdi Latif Saib of USA. She passed away on 10th of March. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Her husband Saib Zada Mahdi Latif Saib is the grandson of Hazrat Saib Zada Abdul Latif Saib Shaheed. The deceased obtained her master's degree in botany in 1969 from the University of Peshawar. Then she began research work in the botany department at the Research Institute of Peshawar and remained there until 1972. In 1970, upon an initiative launched by Hazrat Khalid the III Rahimahullah, she devoted herself under the Nusrat Jahan scheme. She, along with her younger brother, Sayyid Malik Saib, went to Nigeria and remained there until 1975. During this stay, she served as a principal of the Women's Arabic College, Wasu. In 1975, she went to the USA, where she worked in the research at the Botany Department for the University of Nebraska. From there, she moved to Maryland, where she was able to continuously serve under Lajna Emaila, i.e. the Women's Auxiliary Organization. She was also able to serve as the Vice President of the Women's Auxiliary Organization USA. She also served as the local president of the Jamaat in Washington. She was very loving and empathetic of others' pains and hardships. She was a Musia. She is survived by her husband, four brothers and two sisters. She did not have any children. One of her brothers is serving as the National Vice President of the Jamaat in USA and another brother works in Darul Qazar in USA. The next funeral is of Safiya Begum Sahiba, wife of Muhammad Sharif Sahib of Canada, who passed away on 11th of March at the age of 80. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. She was the elder daughter of respected Maulvi Chirag Deen Sahib, former missionary of Peshawar. She served as the president of the Women's Auxiliary Organization in Wa'a Cantonment for quite some time. Her husband passed away in 1993 due to an accident. After the demise of her husband, she ensured for the moral training of her children in an excellent manner. She was regular in offering the prayers and fasting. She would offer tajr prayers and was very patient and grateful. She was very sociable. She was virtuous and empathetic. She had pledged to see it at the rate of one-third. She is survived by four daughters and one son. All of her children are serving the Jamaat. Alhamdulillahi na'amaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'khfiruhu wa na'aminu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'uzu billahi min shurur anfusina wa min sayyati amalina man yadihillahu falamudillahu وَمَن يُضْلِلْهُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُهُ إِبَادُ 